0: Most 33 year olds are done with school projects. But I'm 33, and the hard truth is if I want to complete my Doctor of Ministry degree, then I've got to whip up one more. And it's going to have to be a doozy. The good news is, I've sort of always enjoyed school projects, especially the ones that give you the freedom to channel a little bit of creativity and focus it on something that really interests you. When I was younger, that meant projects that yielded a guitar made out of a toilet seat or a puritanical gangster rap about the first three chapters of The Scarlet Letter. Now, it means starting a podcast. A podcast which connects to my area of research, pastoral vulnerability. In nutshell terms... I think the church has a problem. It's full of folks wearing too many clothes, too many layers, too many neatly pressed, carefully manufactured, visually pleasing exteriors that protect the people beneath from being truly seen. Because if they were truly seen, outside eyes might notice scars or weaknesses or doubts belonging to a person who is really but a muted shade of the bright facade their church clothes aim to protect. And then that person would be exposed to feeling shame. Shame at their nakedness. Shame like Adam and Eve felt when their eyes were opened and they dove for the protection of Eden's bushes. But the funny thing is, These people serve a God who didn't have much need for clothes. He took on flesh and came with it exposed as a tiny infant. He lived beneath the humble rags of a poor nomadic rabbi. He died naked, scarred, and bloodied, arms wide open and crying his pain to the heavens. And he says to we who love him, take up your cross and follow me. So somehow there's a disconnect. The polished people in the pews don't hear not only the permission, but the faithfulness, the spiritual essentiality of authentic living. They need someone to bridge the gap. Someone to show them what it looks like to shed some layers and reveal who you really are underneath. Someone to lead as Jesus led, freely, openly, resilient, to the shame of the world. They need pastors. Pastors who are willfully vulnerable. Pastors who are willing to say not only to God, but to God's people, here I am. And because I'm a pastor, let me be the first to say, no, no thanks. (laughs) I don't want to do that. Because it's terrifying, right? I mean, come on. Jesus never said following him would mean risking what other people think about you or, or being honest about some imperfections or, or doing things that make you uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. There's no denying. Willful pastoral vulnerability isn't easy. It isn't comfortable. But I also think that it isn't deserving of the amount of fear that we give it. Because part of that fear comes from the feeling that if we take that step and shed a layer or two, we're doing it alone. We're out on the edge of a diving board with everyone looking safely from the sides and it's all on us. And in a way, I guess that's true, but the anxiety of that moment can also trick us into believing that no one else has ever taken the leap before, that no one else has ever tried, that no pastor has ever survived the waters of vulnerability, and if a few lucky souls even have, they certainly didn't thrive there. But that is a lie. Because the truth is there are countless stories, countless pastors who have dared greatly by being their authentic selves in front of those they serve, and whose ministries, whose congregations, whose lives have been strengthened as a result. That is why I'm making a podcast, because I think these stories need to be told. Pastors need to know that they aren't the first ones to step to the edge of that diving board. We need to hear about what happens when ministers give folks the permission to live an authentic life of faith by modeling it themselves. So starting next week and for the next six weeks, I'm going to be releasing podcast episodes that allow people to hear the stories of ministers who have lived and led vulnerably. If you're a minister yourself, I'm excited to know if this project can encourage you to be a bit more vulnerable with those you serve. And if you're not a minister, I hope this can give you a peek behind the pulpit so that you might view those called to serve you less as inaccessible, perfect religious leaders and more as real, authentic people. Of course, before I do any of this, I have to figure out how to do a podcast And how to do a podcast while being a pastor. And there's only one person in the podcast universe who I knew could help me with that. His name is Luke Norsworthy, and he is a pastor who also hosts the insanely popular podcast called Newsworthy with Norsworthy, where he talks to all sorts of scholars and ministers about their faith and work. Luke gave me the lowdown on what it's like to be a podcasting preacher. And for this teaser episode of the Naked Preacher podcast, I invite you to listen in on that revealing conversation. All right, for this uh, inaugural uh, venture in the Naked Preacher podcast, I am uh, thrilled to have with me uh, Reverend. Can I say Reverend? Is that appropriate? Sure. Go for it. Reverend Luke Norsworthy. Uh, he is the pastor of Westover Hills Church in Austin, Texas. Uh, he is the host of a podcast himself, a uh, very popular uh, <laughs> theological podcast called Newsworthy with Norsworthy, which I highly recommend. Uh, also, now a published author uh, with a book coming out uh, quite soon called God Over Good. So, uh, I am thrilled to have uh, uh, Luke on with us today.
1: Thank you, Paul. I appreciate you having me. I feel uh, overdressed for a podcast that's entitled The Naked Pastor, but thank you for having me, even though I am clothed right now.
0: Well, I appreciate you, you wearing the clothes, and uh, <laughs> you know, I encourage the listeners to imagine me however is comfortable for them, but uh, <laughs> I do need to state that I am always clothed wearing this. We interpret naked a bit metaphorically on this podcast. Okay, good. Let's just clarify that right we're, now. That's we're good. off to a great start. You're doing great, Paul. Well, good. Uh, so let's start off with the you know the search committee question—the question that you any any person in ministry always gets asked when they are, are coming to a new church. How uh, Luke did you wind up in ministry?
1: Yeah, they do like that question a lot, and I've been asked that one a few times. I, I wonder if it's because like not many people decide to be a pastor, and so it's just a novelty kind of thing. Like, oh, what made you do this? And. But, uh, For me, like I didn't have any pastors in my family. My dad's not one. I don't have like anyone who's even like an elder at a church. My family is committed to church, but we don't have like people who serve in leadership positions. But I wanted to be a psychologist like my dad when I went off to college. And one thing led to another. I started getting interested in church. The Bible became something that was really compelling to me. It it changed my life reading the Bible. And I found myself. Yeah, go figure. Uh, It's a a good book. I highly recommend it. (laughs) And I started preaching at little country churches outside of the town I went to school in, which is Abilene, Texas, West Texas. And so I was driving 45 minutes every Sunday to a town of 200 people, and I was preaching out there. And I think my call to ministry happened in in a little tiny church called the Moran Church of Christ that doesn't even exist anymore. And after my first Sunday, the kind of the, the matriarch of the church came up to me and said, Luke, you can go as far as you want in this. And I feel like that was the moment when... Uh, I think Audrey at the time was like 86 or 87 and she handed me my check, which was for $50 for the teaching, preaching, leading, singing, and doing the communion devotional, uh, which the was, a, uh, yeah, I was stoked to get that check, but, yeah. but. I think that was my call to ministry. And awesome. there, there's a reason that my youngest daughter also has the name Audrey right now, because oh, that was so meaningful to me. And so it was, uh, it, that's where it began. And luckily I had some wonderful men and women who surrounded me and became my like, community who helped me serve this call and trained me and taught me and were gracious with me as I uh-huh. was making a complete fool of myself doing things I had no idea what I was supposed to do, but they were there and supported me.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And so you went to seminary eventually, and then have mm-hmm. you been at have you been at Westover ever since then, or was that,
1: Yeah, how- I've been at Westover for the last three years. They uh, when I finished my MDiv, I was twenty four, and I went to a church in Panama City, Florida. And so I was in the South, and I lived on the coast, and I loved the beautiful beaches of Panama City, Florida. Did that for a couple of years. Went back to Texas, God's country. And then I planted a church, did that for seven years. And then when this church called me, this is the church that my wife grew up in. And so they called me and said, Hey, are you interested? And I was like, I don't really know. I really love this church. I'm a part of. But as soon as Lindsay heard that her home church was calling, like she started packing our house and she was calling the realtor and she was ready to move. But uh luckily they ended up offering me the job and we came down here and that's been, yeah, three years now.
0: That's awesome, man. Cool full of adventure so far. It sounds like your journey. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: well, where, where in there does the podcast figure
1: in? How did, how did that happen? When I was a church planner, so I started this church, did it for seven years, a couple years into it. I thought, you know, I'd really like to, uh, talk to some of these people who've helped me, uh, so much in my journey. And I, so I, I was in the midst of a little bit of my own faith struggle and I was trying to make sense of my own faith that I, I had it. I was like deeply committed Christian, I go to school, become a Bible major, go to grad school. And all of a sudden there's like this crack in my faith and things don't line up the way they're supposed to. And it, I don't have all the answers. Like I thought I did. I, I felt far more confident in my ability to be a pastor when I was 20 than I ever have since then. Like I've, I, like I've gotten figured out, I know what I'm doing yeah, and yeah. Then it started to, like, it just didn't work. Life didn't work the way I wanted it to. My first ministry job didn't go the way I wanted. And so I'm starting this podcast as I'm trying to kind of reconstruct a faith that wasn't working. And so I started trying to find these people who've, who've helped me or who could help me or I think are helping me in, in that exact moment to make sense of a faith that wasn't uh, working the way it had been before. And it, it, it was never like, hey, I want to start a podcast and have – X number of people download it or to, I, I didn't even know you could keep track of how many people listen to your podcast until a few weeks in. I was like, Oh, well you can keep track of that. That's pretty neat. And uh, like, I never had any visions of it becoming what it is. Like people talk about like, sort of podcast and you build your brand and then you get a book deal. Like I didn't, I didn't think through all that stuff. I just needed some people I needed to like help me make sense of my faith. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's, that's where it started from.
0: Gosh, that's awesome. I mean, I mean, talk about vulnerability too. Like that's, that's you like working out uh, your faith, a pastor working out his faith in, in such a public format and and wrestling publicly and things. I and mean, that's, that's pretty awesome.
1: I, I, I think with anything, honesty is what enables us to connect with one another. Mm. And when you show someone your smooth, overly perfected, persona, it doesn't give anyone an ability to connect to you. And like when something's too smooth, you just fall right off of it. If you have rough edges, that's actually where we can connect to one another. Yeah. Yeah. I find that to be the most meaningful work that anyone else does. So I would hope that there'd be some component of that in what I do.
0: I love that. I love that. Is it cool if I use that sometime, the rough edges? Cool. I,
1: I I'm not sure if that's from a John Legend song. I feel like there might be a John Legend song, your edges and imperfect. I don't know. Uh, oh, so all, all your uh, all your perfect imperfect. Okay, good. That's not exactly yeah. the song, then. All right, no, good. No, I just, no,
0: no, no, I'm leaving him out of it. I'm tri- attributing it completely to you. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah, let's make that up. Luke Legend. Yeah. All right. Um, that's good, Paul. I like it. No, thanks. So, um I suppose it would be true for me to say that hearing your podcast because I I can't remember how I, I got a hold of it. I think there was some writer or something that I you know was wondering if they ever done a podcast and uh, you interviewed him or her and um, I think that's how I started listening. But um, but I was was hooked pretty early on. I just loved what you were doing and loved hearing the the folks that you had on, and it made me think, well, maybe I could do something somewhat similar. Uh, so. If you do ever get to the end of your ministry and think like, what in the world? I know I haven't done a single thing. You can remember there was that one time that okay. you inspired that one guy to start a podcast. It's um, all worth it now. It's all that's worth it right. Now. Well done, good and faithful servant. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, uh, you know, as, as I've said, my show is going to be more specifically about pastors and, and the lives that ministers live uh, to encourage some pastoral vulnerability and, and also give folks on the outside of ministry a peek behind the pulpit. Because, you know, it's, a, it's sort of a unique life that not everybody um, gets to see. Uh, and so for that reason... I knew that I wanted to talk to you first because hosting a podcast is a unique thing to do as you pastor a church, uh, especially if it's your own podcast, if it's not something connected with the ministries of that church necessarily. Yeah. So what do you, would you say are some of the uniquenesses, um, good uniquenesses, challenging uniquenesses uh, that you've encountered in hosting a podcast while serving a church?
1: I think there is a secondary benefit, which I never really thought through of the amount of content that I'm able to accumulate in preaching from podcasting. Yeah. Like yeah. it's actually gotten to the point where I've literally just played, uh, the way I record is I, I record and it gets the video content of it and I never do anything with, it; I just delete it, mm-hmm. but it's still there. And so there are times that like I've had a podcast and I'm like, wow, that's really good content. And so I just literally play a clip from a sermon, the video clip of the person talking, which is a great benefit. I didn't think about that. Um, well, I, I know people from my church listen. And so I have conversations about, oh, this author and that person and this guest. And so I, I knew that would happen. I guess I didn't realize that the questions that I have would be so similar to other people's questions. Hmm. And so I'm, I'm grateful for people from my church who listen and it's great to interact with them, uh, in person. It's great to interact with people all around the world and the, the friends that I've been able to, um, uh, accumulate literally around the world has been a, an absolute blessing, but I think what has like tied all those things together is a a common intrigue or quest to, to learn and to grow. And it's weird for me that the things that like I wrestle with, that other people are wrestling with it too. Which goes back to the fact that we're all people. We all have yeah, exactly. similar struggles. And as scripture tells us, there is nothing new under the sun. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's why I think it's important. Um, You know, your people in your congregation probably see you much more as a real person and and an accessible uh, type of person um, just through, you know, authentically uh, walking through your faith uh, with with these folks that you have on. So people in the
1: the church tend to like the podcast, you think? Yeah, when I started, I was at a different ministry situation. And so Mm -hmm. it was a church that was 100 people. And so at a church of 100 people, when you're a pastor, like, you know, everyone, you know, everyone's kids, you know, the Mm -hmm. kind of drama that's going on in their life, or at least some degree of it. And everyone's been in my home when we had new visitors to our church, they'd come to our house, we'd have dinner for them. And then you go to a church that's 1500 people, all of a sudden, the dynamic is substantially different. And everyone knew you as a person at the other church. And so the you were more person than preacher. And mm. at a bigger church, you're more preacher than you are a person. Yeah, yeah. And so the dynamic is a little bit different. And so there it was, oh, that's really cool. Luke's going to talk to these people. And then you come here and like you already have this thing that people are like, oh, wow, I know about you because you're the podcaster. And now maybe I know you a little bit as a person. Mm. Uh, so different settings create different experiences. Yeah. And the, the preacher role is, it's so weird uh, because some people elevate the preacher to being above more than what they are and mm-hmm. others will discredit them below what they should be discredited to. And in a lot of ways preachers are like screens that we project our stuff upon. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're the bigger the church, the more this happens, I think, where people are working out their issues and then you're the one on the stage or you're the one on the screen that they can see. And they're just like, well, I'm just going to literally throw my stuff upon you. I'm going to work yeah. it out Yeah, and just be a, a pawn in my own story. So yeah. it, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. interesting.
0: Well, and that that's how you can preach a sermon where you sort of know what you're saying, what you felt led to to deliver. And then somebody comes up to you afterward and says basically the exact opposite. Like, they, and, and yeah. they're so grateful. Oh, thank you for preaching this. I needed to hear this because, you know, blank. And you're like, oh, okay. Don't know how no, you I got say that
1: on that. <laughs> I, I literally had two people come up to talk to me. Literally, one was standing in in line behind the other and they kind of were pushing at me on the opposite end of the political spectrum on the exact same subject they're like oh you're talking about this oh you weren't talking about this and i'm like did you guys even hear each other like you're <laughs> literally disagreeing with each other and i'm just in the middle of this but that's how it yeah. goes
0: yeah that's um, that is our life yep. um so has uh, has doing the podcast ever gotten you in in trouble at all you know did you Interview somebody that, that somebody didn't like, or
1: <laughs> I had one of my uh, elders make a joke of uh, someone sit, like was joking. Yeah, Luke had some Wiccan on the podcast this week and was trying to. Get, and then one of my other elders who listens very diligently to the process goes, "Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me at all. That really would not." Uh, so <laughs> when I came here, pe- people knew who like I talked to, and yeah, the, yeah. the, the actual I, I did this. I did a podcast with a comedian named Pete Holmes, who's oh, yeah. Yeah. friends with Rob Bell, and he's got an HBO mm-hmm. show and all that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you made it weird, I re- yeah. We- you made it weird. This podcast super super popular, yeah. and I recorded it, and it would have been the very first podcast that would have been aired after I was announced as a new preacher of this church. Mm-hmm. And it was it's it's a little bit, uh, as the comedians say, blue. And so I waited on that one a couple months because I was like, you know what, I don't want to put this. On oh, my new church is like their first experience with oh, me. Yeah. That, and so was, I waited three months and then I'd, I I might've doctored some of the language that he mm-hmm. used out of it in a way that I wouldn't have done before <laughs> um, to kind of mitigate some of the problems. But I, I've had people who, who didn't understand. They don't know where I'm coming from. They don't know what I'm trying to do. All they hear is Luke lets this person share their perspective. Luke asks follow-up questions and Luke doesn't try to quote unquote correct what they say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I've had some people who, who thought well, Luke, you're a preacher. You should argue with them, and they don't understand that the medium is not like I'm not trying to convince everyone of my perspective. I'm trying yeah. to learn. I'm trying to create a forum where dialogue can happen, yeah. and there is back and forth. But I don't see my job as to to be the pope that determines the right and wrong on yes. every 45 minute conversation. I'd rather yeah. model for everyone how Christians can engage in civil dialogue where people can can learn and grow and and have honest interaction. And so exactly. some people don't don't like that honest interaction. They want Black and white, yes or no, right and wrong, and like i'm that's not the game that I'm playing,
0: yeah, yeah, me either man I, I want people to be able to have a space to share their stories and and folks who are listening to have a window in to to hear and and just yeah uh, gain some perspective, so okay, uh so help me out i'm I'm new to this thing, I want to do it well, uh what are the things that a new podcasting preacher? Oh uh absolutely must or
1: absolutely must not do what what are your tips the main thing that will drive the podcast's success is your own curiosity if you are honest with this is what i want to do these are things i want to learn these are people i want to talk to these are people i want to like try to understand more where they're coming from i think that creates a better product mm-hmm. and if you're trying to do this for like the, Hey, I want to build a brand. I want to get a book deal. I want to get sponsors, but that shows through as well. Mm -hmm. And I I think the most important thing is don't talk to someone because you think it's going to help the podcast Uh, do this because it helps you. And I (laughs) I think that the best thing that we can give to the world is our honest self and our honest questions and our honest involvement. And if you're curious, that'll carry it. And who knows how, how things work in the internet and where you end up on iTunes and who listens and all that stuff is secondary in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Just be faithful to who you are and where you're coming from.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I can do that. I can do that. It, other tips that you got, uh, other things that I shouldn't do. Here's a practical question. Okay? okay. I'm very tempted. Like when I'm having a conversation with somebody face to face, like I'm a, I try to show active, engaged listening. So I'm, I'm a, uh huh, oh yeah, yeah. You know, I'll interject all those things as I've done an interview or two. I recognize that does not always translate all that well <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in a that, podcast like, format. Yeah. It's like who keeps interrupting
1: this person as they're trying to talk. So do, do you hold back on that? I, I learned that one the hard way as well. When you listen to a few of your conversations, you go, that works great in person, terrible on air. So yeah, you you take those out don't ever say, talk to me about the, just like, make it a question. (laughs) Just develop the question. Uh, I'm sure I've said, talk to me about once or twice, but don't, don't default to that. Yeah. The, so my dad's a psychologist. And so I've seen someone whose job is to in some ways interview someone uh, my entire life. And a lot of what I do is like, Hey, this is how my dad interacts with people. This is how my dad's listening. And so the more you can listen and let the conversation become more natural, I think the better it, it, it becomes. And I, I don't know if you've ever listened to uh, or, or read uh, any Bruce Lee, but he wrote a book about his martial art Jeet Kune Do. Mm. And his like, theory of Jeet Kune Do is be like water. And so wherever the fight goes, this is like the the predecessor to what's known now today as like mixed martial arts, the UFC, is that wherever the fight goes, you're you're comfortable and you can go whatever form you're kind of poured into. I I'll be I'll be it like water. And so I, I think good good like podcast conversation is you're cool to go wherever it goes. So if it takes you talking about someone's childhood, we well, just go there. If it, if you're good to talk about someone's. Uh, belief on the new document hypothesis be ready to go there too if you want to talk about providence be ready to go there and i think that makes for more uh more engaging more human interactions awesome i love it so be like water like be bruce like, lee says sounds good uh,
0: <laughs> who was often half naked you know shirtless that's
1: that's that's your brand that's, that's on it. point for you <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right um okay well then let me try some of these uh, new podcast host skills on you because, as as I said earlier, you're not just a pastor, you're not just a podcast host. Uh, you are are also now a published author, uh, which has got to be thrilling, and that means that you are probably going to be doing more of these as a podcast guest. You'll be on the other side of the uh, of the FaceTime screen. So uh, this could be good practice for the both of us. Um, so first off, not, don't tell me some, Tell me a little about your book, okay? <laughs> but could you share a little about your book, Luke? I'd love to hear more <laughs> about that.
1: Yeah. Well, in a lot of ways, the if I think of the three different channels of, of the work that I do, so there's preaching, which is my bread and butter. It's, it's what, uh, it's what pays the bills. It's what wakes me up in the morning. It's what gets the majority of my time Hmm. preaching. And then podcasting is like the secondary thing that I supplement it with. Um, It helps me get content. It helps me grow. It helps me learn so many benefits to it. And in the midst of that, I started writing. I started writing probably before I even started doing the podcast. And I, I wrote a novel, which was just, Garbage, but it created like the practice of I'm going to write 500 words every day. And there's a guy named Stephen Pressfield who's kind of like my writing guru. Wrote a book called The War of Art, which I highly recommend. And so I got used to writing every day, writing a novel, and then transition to nonfiction. And so this is happening when I'm trying to make sense of my faith. And so a lot of my writing was me kind of connecting the dots of okay, these are things I'm learning. This is stuff I'm preaching about. Uh, and so this, in a lot of ways, kind of encapsulates all of that. And it's kind of like the dare I say like the, the keystone project that I've been working on for the last five or six years that it's me telling my, like, so this book, this is my first book. It's called God over good. And it comes out October 2nd and it's me making sense of faith after it stopped working. And so I had all these expectations for what I thought God was supposed to be. I thought the Bible should live up to my modern standards of how literature should work. I think church should always be the incarnation of love and acceptance and community and mercy. And it's not. And mm-hmm. I thought God would be easy to comprehend and God would be something that you pray and God shows up, you know, as the Bible tells us, if you seek me, you will, if you seek me with all your heart, you, if you seek me and find me with all your heart, you will find me. like, and so I expected God to like, if, if I'm knocking the door, that God is going to answer. And that's not how any of those things work. And it's not how I expected my faith to be. And so I was having to make sense of a faith after disappointment. And so that's what the writing is, is me trying to put my faith back together.
0: Awesome. Uh, so why, why is it important for you to, um, you know, share those things? Like, why Why do you want the world to know about this journey? Especially, again, as as a pastor, I mean, you're supposed to have everything already figured out. So, you, you <laughs> yeah. know, why do you, uh, why do you want to share that with the world?
1: It, it's kind of the way around that I wrote it because this is a way for me to, like, kind of do free counseling on myself. This is me working out my own stuff and I I enjoy the medium of writing and it got turned into a book afterwards. Like this is originally like some disjointed ideas that I was trying to make sense of for myself. And then eventually I got an agent who said, Hey, let's take this to a publisher. And the publisher's like, okay, we got something here. And so they, in a lot of ways like paid me to take those disjointed ideas and turn it into one cohesive um, document or theoretically cohesive Um, I think the reason I, I wanted to do that is that I wanted to share it is because what I found on my podcast is that I'm not the only one struggling with this stuff, that the questions that I have are, are not just relegated to the things that go on in my head, like these are things that other people are processing. And I hope in some way that I, I can share from my own experience and help others as they're going through it too. And I think the book of Jude has this line, be merciful to those who doubt. And I think I hope that my book is a tangible display of mercy for those who doubt as someone who's doubted as well, and I hope it's a way for them to uh to find a way to continue to have faith even when it doesn 't make sense
0: awesome awesome yeah it's you know i I sort of pick up on that theme in in like whether it 's the book or the podcast you um you're just working out your faith and inviting others to witness that and, and be a part of that in a way like you're um, I think that's why I'm so drawn to this theme of, of vulnerability. I see, you know, I think of Jesus as a, a spiritual leader who came and and had nothing to hide. You know, he's he's on the cross and he dies naked and his arms are wide open. He is he is exposed, letting others see his scars. Um, but uh, and then, you know, as a result, people understand him for who he really was. You know, the centurion says, surely this was the son of God. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I see similar things in, in the way that you're living out your, uh, your faith through podcasting, through, through writing, you know, you're just, you're doing it. You're being honest and you're letting people
1: see it. Well, my wife would be quick to tell you that I'm definitely not like Jesus in many ways. Um, (laughs) I actually to have a little anecdote in my book about how when we were first dating, my wife really thought I was like Jesus to be fair. Like I wore sandals and I had long hair. So that was kind of going. And she said a couple of years after we got married, she goes, Luke, I used to really struggle to think that you actually were Jesus. Now that we've been married a few years, I don't struggle at all with that. I <laughs> no problem disassociating you from Jesus. Um, Thanks, honey. But I, I do think that is the beauty of our religion that we follow a person named Jesus who is God in the flesh and was not born in what we define as royalty or power or privilege or comfort. And I think there is something about the incarnation that invites us to do the very same sort of like self-emptying that this is the the Christ in the beautiful text from Philippians that mm-hmm. the early Christians used to, to, to sing, I think we can assume, of this divine self-emptying. And I think there's something life-giving there's something transcendent when we can do the same thing and uh, that's why i love what you're doing with the podcast is like this this idea of this vulnerability and and nakedness in a metaphorical sense that invites us all to like let's not lie to one another let's be honest
0: yeah yeah thanks man well i i i appreciate you uh just owning your journey so authentically and um and uh you know, in the many different platforms uh, on which you do it. So, uh, I've ordered my copy of God Over Good, and um, and I think if you pre-order it, you even get a little bonus content. So, uh,
1: yeah, Paul, look at you doing yeah. a good plug right there. That's a good podcaster thing. Like you, you plug, you make your guest happy, and then you get more <laughs> guests that way. No, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, I'd, um, th- there is some free content on that, but uh, yeah, thank you. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, sounds good, man. Well, um, so. I think, as part of the uh, the Naked Preacher podcast, uh, I want to close each episode. Uh, you know, since we're pastors, we got to close with an invitation, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. on this, it's more of a skin invitation, right?
1: It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> funny. I like that.
0: So, um, yeah. <laughs> I'm a Baptist preacher, right? I got to use puns and things like that. And if there were any way to make all of these start with the same letter, then I would, it would be alliterative. There's three of them. So that's I, like our, that. I just need a poem and I've got a sermon. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, just, I'm going to ask you three sort of rapid fire questions. Mm-hmm. You can, uh, give me your, your honest answers. Uh, what is one mistake you've made in ministry?
1: Hmm. I mean, there are a ton of them. There are lots, lots of mistakes like there five, was six. I mean, like, per per day. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I think of terrible ones that, uh, like, I think there's a sermon illustration. There's a comment I said in a sermon four months ago where I'm trying to go to bed at night, and it's Sunday night, which you're a preacher. You know Sunday night. It's like you're exhausted. You have, like, physical and emotional fatigue. And Lindsay said, hey, when, when you said that thing about, you know, God is okay with inequality, because I was referencing the 10- the the parable about the guy one with 10, one with five, one with one. They're like, mm. God is okay that some have more, some have less. I don't that that's just what it is. And the comment before that was, you know, we, we live in a country where we say all men are created equally, but those words were written when some men were only believed to be three fifths of another man. Mm-hmm. And so I make that comment and I follow with that statement. And Lindsay goes, It sounds like you're saying God's okay with racism in America. And I was like, I'm not sleeping. I will <laughs> never sleep again. Like I can't believe I did that. And I didn't, I mean, I, I I'm still like, I'm still like upset by that one. Um, <laughs> you just can't like, you can't take that stuff back and hopefully yeah, have yeah. enough, uh, skins in the wall for people to know, yes. okay, I know kind of the trajectory of what he's doing. Yeah.
0: And, that's and pe- as- people know that that that's not what you're saying. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, um, but still, you hate that you say it.
1: <laughs> Gosh, yeah. Like, it's just it's such a terrible thing to say.
0: <laughs> uh, well, thank you for sharing uh, that, <laughs> that one way, as your wife said, that you're maybe not quite like Jesus yet. <laughs> um, one of the many. Yeah. Many? yeah. So uh, what's one of your fears in ministry? Uh,
1: one of my fears is that... Uh, like the light will eventually go out. Like, so I had a, I, I was running and I just got a pair of like Bluetooth, like little headphones, uh, not like the overuse, but ones you can run with. And I've been running for a while and then there was a sound that went off that said uh, low battery, bling, 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 low battery. And there's like this, this ringing sound. And I was thinking, like, I'm running and eventually, these are going to go off and i'm going to have to face the question of do i keep running when there's no music and all i hear is the sound of like my own breathing and the pitter-patter of my feet on the asphalt or am i going to stop and it's real easy to to like have the right things to say and to read the books when you have people who are listening to you and there is this secondary benefit of being uh, a good christian because you and i are paid to be a good christian and what happens when all the music fades and what happens when all the applause is gone? And what happens when all like the adoration is no longer there? Like, who am I really gonna be like when the lights go off? Am I still gonna be the same thing, uh, the same person? And so I think my fear um, is that I will get so comfortable with all the, uh, the secondary benefits that I'll start to think those are the, the main thing. Mm-hmm. And I think it was in Don Quixote that there's a line that the last and the greatest treason is to do the right thing for the wrong reason and mm. my entire adult lifetime I have been motivated to do the right thing with the wrong reason. And I'm, I'm, yeah, that's my fear.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a pretty common one to, to pastors, honestly. I mean, we, we, I wrestle with that myself. Like I want I want to do well and, and I want others to be happy. Um, but do I want that because that makes me feel better about who I am and that makes me feel good. And, you know, do I do it because I like the, Oh, good sermon or, or whatever else. Um,
1: Yeah. I I think that's a temptation that, uh, that we all wrestle with to to listen to that stuff, which in turn means you listen to all the criticism and yeah, it's, it's a, yeah. I I think most people say those things because they're, one it's the right thing to do, but i I think a lot of times people say nice things to pastors because they're genuinely trying to encourage people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um it would be nice to be able to 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 receive them in the um in the right way in in the way that they deserve so. yep.
0: yep absolutely um okay, last question. What is one thing that you completely rock in ministry
1: i'm I'm really good at humility, I might be one of the most <laughs> humble pastors you' will ever. Be. I'm really, really good at that. Uh, what, what am I? I think I have a good uh, routine for writing sermons. Like, I think I know, like, I, I've got a, uh, here, you know what we're going to do? This is terrible for uh, the podcast, but I'm going to spin you right over here. Okay. And there's a board that wow. I'm showing you right now. And this yes. is a checklist. This is a 10 week dry race board of my next 10 sermons. You can see that there's, there's yep. three reds in a row which oh, means man. I'm not preaching them. But there's a checklist system that I have for everyone. And I have this kind of uh, obsessive compulsive uh, routine that like, I know this is how far the sermon should be done in advance and what I should do every day. And I've developed this routine that uh, I think is really helpful for, for my sermon writing process. So that is one thing that I think I would, sh- I, I try to share that with other people. Yeah. This process. Uh, Sundays come every, every week. Yeah. And if you don't, here's one of the things I think is most essential. You've got to get away, but the sermon is finished. Like Thursday, I'm done. I print it off. I don't look at it for two days. Yeah. And so I'm fully invested with like my Sabbath and being with my family. I'm not working Friday, Saturday. Yep. And that I think is like, there's a reason in the old Testament they would stone you if you didn't practice Sabbath, because it's really bad for you to not get away from your work. And that saves me.
0: Yep. I, I, I hear you too, man. I, I, um, when I started in ministry, uh, I made a habit of making, you know, always taking Fridays off. And then of course you got Saturday. So, I mean, one of my points of pride in ministry is that I, uh, have never finished uh, only maybe once a sermon later than Thursday. Um, because that's, that's time for the kids. That's time for uh, my wife, you know, and, um, yeah. And, I think that's one of the reasons that I still love what I do. I still get excited about preaching, you know, all these, I can't imagine what it would be like to go from Monday to Sunday, from Monday to Sunday, uh, like some yep. of these
1: folks do. Yeah. And some people are in situations where they don't have, like I have a conducive environment that allows me to do this. I've got an executive minister who does so well. So I, and so many people I work with who are great at their job. And I'm assuming you have the same situation where you have people who who are able to help around. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you guys carry everything, but your two boys, I know that they greatly appreciate They can't say this because they're too little to say it. But one day I'm sure they'll go, Dad, thank you for being yeah. present like yeah. Friday and Saturday with me and not yeah. giving that to the church. Because those are that's like sacred time for your yeah. family. And yeah. I'm sure your kids will appreciate that.
0: Yeah. We have God Friday. That's what we call it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You really are a Baptist pastor. Like you've got I, the... I know. I,
0: I, when, when we found out that our second child was going to be a, a boy... I honestly got a little excited because that meant that I didn't have to f- change the name um, because I don't know what I, like Girl
1: Day, fried Girl Day. Yeah, peppers, you don't, we don't have gal. that. No, sorry. Yeah. There's nothing. So just, I'm just going to get rid of them. Uh, <laughs> but Daddy Daughter Date works yeah, really well. There you
0: go. You got the alliterative D
1: there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what we do there. Good deal. <laughs> what are your boys' names?
0: Uh, Steven and Parrish. Those
1: are good. Parrish. Steven Parrish. I like that. Yeah. Like they're not like they're not alliterative though. Like I assume that it would be Paul and Parish or Stephen and Saul. I'm yeah. Sure called, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's a bad boy. Yeah. <laughs> what if you had two kids, one was Saul, one was Paul? Yeah, Paul's our favorite, obviously. But we had to get Saul first before. That's we right. Him. That's
0: right. Uh, well. <clears throat> thank you for that tip on if we ever have more kids, we'll uh, we'll be sure to use those names and, uh, and all the other tips that you have uh, offered. It's been a wonderful conversation, man. And I, I feel ready to, and, and equipped to go out there and, uh, and make some co- podcasts. Uh, so I, I appreciate it, buddy.
1: I think you got this, man. You're gonna do great. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Thanks for you. having me.
0: You got it. Thanks Luke. All right, gang. How's that for a teaser? All right, that was supposed to be a short episode to whet your appetite, but that was a full-blown meal. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Luke. I know I did, and I look forward to this podcast officially beginning next Monday, October the 8th, as we air episode 01 of the Naked Preacher podcast. My guest will be Reverend Dr. Amy Butler, who is the senior minister of the Riverside Church in New York City. She's going to talk with us about vulnerability in general. You know, what is it? What does it uh, look like coming from the pulpit and from other places where ministers do their thing? So, uh, real quick, if you are listening to this and you are a church minister, uh, you're serving a church somewhere, and you're thinking, you know what, I I would like to be a part of this, uh, and you'd like to help me in my research, please send me an email. Uh, You can send it to thenakedpreacher.com. Podcast at gmail.com, all one word, the naked preacher podcast at gmail.com, no spaces or underscores or any of that crazy stuff. And uh, I'll gladly get back to you because I'd like to involve you in a focus group of ministers who are listening to this podcast and giving me some feedback about what they've learned and how hearing these stories of vulnerable ministers is helpful to them or not helpful to them. So please reach out and we will see you on October the 8th.